tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, I think Steph Curry is God. I, I think he might be God. Uh, I am here to tell you I have some new thoughts about Steph Curry. I see him in a completely different light. I think churches are going to start popping up with his name on them. Is he the best point guard ever in life, in history, over Magic Johnson? I think he might be. We also get into that as well as how the regular season does not matter at all to championship caliber teams that is very obvious now we will also touch on some news from around the league my lord the first round is over and boy was it memorable so do me a favor nick and drop that beat that should be rihanna lord have mercy wardell stephen curry if you haven't seen Steph's performance in Game 7 against the Kings um, and you haven't seen the highlights, you should probably just stop this podcast right now and go watch it. Um, what we saw, what we witnessed, was the elevation from legend to God, to Godhood, or maybe possibly goathood, as we will get to as well. Steph Curry did things that we've only seen in NBA Jam. And we are going to be talking about this performance forever. 50 years from now, people are going to be talking about this Game 7 performance. So after the the embarrassment of Game 6, where our dubs got blown out at the crib in the largest loss of the Steve Kerr era, Steph Steph was not taking no chances with that whole one-team-one-dream bullshit. No, it it is going to be Steph's show, and that happened from the very tip-off. If they were going to lose, it was not going to be because Jordan Poole was looking at baddies courtside and was turning the ball over 10 times. That's just not what was going to happen. And what we got, I think, was probably better than his teammates could have even anticipated. The best Game 7 performance in NBA history. Let me say that again. That was the best Game 7 performance in the history of the NBA in existence. Steph put up a 50-piece 
against probably their best foe since the probably 2016 Cavs. LeBron, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and a bunch of those role players. It was electricity. Kings led by two at half, but you knew what time it was. Steph already had 20 in the first half. Already had 20. Fox was struggling to get going. And you're like, man, it's only a matter of time before they break this thing open. It's just, it's just, we are just waiting for the dam to burst. And you would think maybe Mike Brown would have made some adjustments uh, because he coached against or with Curry for eight years at, during his time coaching the Golden State Warriors. But no, he did not. He had nothing up his sleeve to stop Steph Curry from doing Steph Curry things. And Steph, even though in the second half the Kings knew that they had to put more attention and pressure on Curry, you would think, oh, maybe second half he like just puts up 18 or 16. No, he's actually better in the second half with everyone scheming and game planning to shut him down. He put up 30. It was a better second half than it was in the first half where he just casually put up 20. The most demonic shit that I saw from him, this is when I knew it was over, was at the end of the third quarter. Warriors are starting to pull away. And he had already missed, for the first time ever in my memory, two consecutive free throws. And you're like, oh, God, like, what's Steph up to? Is he frustrated? He gets to the line again moments later because that's just the kind of night it was with the Scott Foster game. By the way, that was a factor. Uh, and they pan to his face, and he's grinning from ear to ear. It was the most diabolical, sick, twisted, sadistic smile I have ever seen on anyone's face. It was not a normal I'm happy grin. It's a let me make myself happy in the moment and let me show these kings I'm coming. And this is over for them. That's when I knew it was inevitable. He is inevitable. There was going to be no comeback. They were only down seven, but it could have been 70 at that point. It was over. He shot 38 times in 38 minutes from everywhere, from deep, from the paint, off balance, runners, floaters, everything but a dunk. One, there was 1.5 seconds left to go in, on the shot clock. Kings had defended this team very mightily. 1.5 seconds left on the shot clock. They inbound the pass. Steph inbounds the pass, immediately gets it back. Contested corner three, splash. The only thing that was surprising was when Steph would miss. I was actually shocked when not every single shot that he let fly did not go in. He said this about his sadistic smile after the game. Attitude can manifest a lot of things, and I told Q on the sidelines, I was never, I've missed four or five free throws the last two games. Not like me, but never over, <clears throat> uh, overthink it, just enjoy the, the, the moment. So the smile was intentional on trying to just be in, in the present. And uh, as simple as it is, it's just trying to make a free throw. So uh, I like to have fun with it. Yeah, no, it was more than that. And then Draymond, as he said on the podcast today, because, of course, he didn't do one in Game 6, real shocking, that there was no Draymond episode after Game 6, which was the most embarrassing loss. Uh, he probably would have cussed everybody out, so I get it. It all began 
with a pregame speech from Steph Wardell Curry. I'm not going to lie, man. Game six, that was a gut punch. That night, I sent those two guys a text message. I sent that text at 3 a.m. The first line is, so I can't sleep, period. Just finished the film again. And then I go into some other things. Steph texts back at 6 a.m. like, can't sleep either. But let me deliver the message before film. Say no more. And he delivered such a powerful message. Listen, we just got embarrassed last night. We got embarrassed on our home floor with an opportunity to close out a team. And we never showed up. He said, if, if you getting on this bus, you making a commitment to this team. I don't care how many minutes you play. I don't care if you don't play a single second. I don't care if it's points, rebounds, whatever it is. But if you getting on this bus, you are saying, I am going to do whatever it takes as far as my preparation goes to win this game. We not going out like that. We have an opportunity to play in game seven. They rare, they don't come around. Take advantage of the moment, embrace the moment. When he delivered that speech, I can't say I knew he was going to come out and get 50, but I knew he was going to come out and do something incredible. And I knew there was no way he was going to allow us to lose that game. Oh, I tell you what, yeah. I don't really know what more you can say after that. Hey, Jordan Poole, suck it up. Hey, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, you're not playing anymore. You're not effective enough for us. Don't be whining and bitching and moping on the sideline. Do not bring the vibes down. This is a championship-caliber team. We have championship DNA. And you know what? We could have traded your ass for somebody with better attitude, but you know what? We have faith in you. So sit your little ass down there on the bench and play your role. And that was the moment after that game, after that game seven, which, let's be honest, I wanted the Kings to win. Because the dynasty, I'm hoping, will end at some point. I want to see a new peace, new blood come to, to the forefront. I came to terms with the reality that, that Steph Curry is the best to ever do it at the point guard position. He just is. That was the performance. 50-piece, game seven, when you're only surprised that he missed. That was point god, as John Morant would say. That was point goat performance. He puts up 50 after an embarrassing Game 6, the worst defeat that they ever had in the, in the Steve Kerr era in Game 6. Stays up all night, watches film, then comes ready to kill. He is, I always was like, oh, it's so cute that they call him the babyface assassin. You know? You're like, that's a really cute nickname. No, he really is. He really is Liam Neeson. He really is a man with some very specific skills. He really does take pleasure in telling 50 Cent, hey, uh, why don't you, did you see it? He pretended to light the beam on 50 Cent. Light this beam, bitch. That's what that was. It's sick. It's twisted. The look on his face when he's ending you is pure sick delight. It's not just joy for joy's sake because I enjoy playing a child's game and making $60 million a year. No, no, no. I enjoy ending you. I enjoy you thinking you're going to win and me silencing your cute little crowd at Golden 1. It's disgusting. It's like a boa, boa constrictor around your neck. And there's no, no feeling like it. It's an outer body experience. You're sitting there on your couch or wherever you are, and you're like, 
the game's not over, but it's over. And you are watching yourself in awe of you dying right there. That's what that was. So now the NBA gets what they want, Steph Curry versus LeBron in the playoffs. First time they've ever faced each other in the playoffs, not in the finals, which I think is incredible. Lakers, of course, get the job done by giving Dylan Brooks exactly what he wanted, a 40-piece. A 40-point loss in a closeout game, which gives us a 7-seed playing a 6-seed in the second round of the playoffs. Warriors now get home court advantage. Isn't that a bitch? You sit there and you scrap and claw and they you think that the Warriors are dead and now they have they have home court until they play the Nuggets or the Suns. Isn't that something? The narratives obviously will be out of control uh, because these are two out of the five best players in NBA history going up one against one another, both in the tail end of their careers but not looking a day over 27. And... You'd think maybe this is the first time, oh, maybe the NBA wished it was the Western Conference Finals. But I think they are going to smash the ratings again for the second round, just like they did in the first round. The difference, I don't think this goes seven games. Steph Curry was asked a question, which I've been thinking about all day. The question was, hey, Steph, who can stop Steph Curry? And he said, he said, hopefully we never find out. What? Hopefully we'll never find out. He is deadly. I can this is like the new show Citadel, where is he's an assassin. Who's gonna beat our dubs? Nobody. That's who. This is a championship team and their toughest test. They just finished in seven. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I want to talk about something more broad than the individual games themselves. After watching the first round of the NBA playoffs, something has become very evident, very obvious. Playoff seeding doesn't matter anymore at all. There was a time where teams would scratch and they would claw to try to get home court advantage in the playoffs. I mean, after all, we've been told for decades that having home court is the difference between life and death, between Cancun and uh, a deep run in the playoffs. That's just not true anymore. That's not. The Miami Heat were a playing team. Not, not just a playing team. They lost their first game in the playing tournament. 
They were down by double digits to the Chicago Bulls, scratched and clawed just to get the eight seed. And you know what they did? They just beat a team that won two years ago the NBA title. Yes, there was no Giannis for two games, but it didn't matter. They didn't have Tyler Hero either, one of their best shooters. They made quick work of them in five. Everybody thought that the Heat were going to get bounced in four. Nope. Duncan Robinson has emerged from the crypt. He had 14 threes in four games after the Tyler Hero injury. 14! Steph Curry, his performance, Jimmy Butler's performance was pretty good too. 56 points. The Bucks are done. Bud might get fired. He might have dismantled the Milwaukee Bucks. Jimmy Butler, an eight seed. The Warriors, the fact that they were a six seed, joke. Jokeville made no sense. They were always, we said this all year, the Warriors are a wolf in sheep's clothing. Do not sleep. The only thing that the Warriors are pretending is that they're not contending. That's it. There was all this talk, oh, Warriors are old. Oh, they're done. Their road record's trash. How are they going to win in the playoffs if they can't win on the road? That was some bullshit. Did you see what they just did? They got two wins against the Sacramento Kings, one of the toughest places to play in the NBA. Oh, they don't have youth on their side. But the truth is, what we now know, this is a fact. A fact nobody's talking about. The Warriors don't have a tank for the regular season anymore. They are old. Their tank is 28 games. The amount of games that the playoffs are. That's their tank. We'll give you... Some good games in January. Maybe we'll see you a couple of good games in February. We'll get up for our home crowd. But when we go on the road, you're not getting our A squad. You're not getting our A effort. And if we lose to the Detroit Pistons at Little Caesars Arena, be thankful that we didn't give you our full force. Because when we have it, there's no one on the planet who can beat us. And that's what Draymond said. I can barely get out of bed in February. Jesus Christ, did you see the performances that he had in the playoffs? He had 20-something points, one of the most efficient performances, insane defense. Yeah, he did stomp someone in the chest. Turns out that was pretty effective for them too when he got suspended and locked the things that they needed to know in order to have better spacing. That's the kind of, that's the kind of bad luck that the Warriors have, bad luck that ultimately turns into good luck. You've got Steph 35, Clay 33, Draymond 33. They're not mustering up the energy to play defense against the Detroit Pistons. Are you kidding me? No. So the next time the Warriors are in February and they're like a borderline fringe play-in team, just remember they're still a title team. They are never dead. Until one of them leaves, one of those core three leave, maybe that's this offseason. I don't know. And they have Kevon Looney, who I think may be the best center we've ever seen. The best rebounding small center. He had more. What was that tweet? I saw this. Kevon Looney has had as many 20-plus rebound games in the first round of this playoffs than David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon, Carl Malone, Dikembe Mutombo, and Bill Walton had in their entire playoff careers. Just shy of 128, which is Bill Russell for most all time. That's... That's unbelievable. There were people who'd said it, not me, said Sabonis would eat Kavon Looney for lunch. No, sir. Sabonis got eaten for lunch from Kavon. So, yeah, it doesn't really matter to Golden State. They just wanted to avoid the play-in tournament, which, honestly, even if they made it to the play-in tournament, they probably would have still... They probably would have played the Nuggets and beat the Nuggets in six. 
This is the potency that is a team that is built for the play- playoffs. Do you want to play the Warriors ever? The answer is no. The answer along your path, that's why I didn't want the Kings to play the Warriors in the first round because they are, at the end of the day, inevitable. This is the trend, though, of the future for me. I think you're seeing this with LeBron. LeBron just takes full plays off in the middle of the game to conserve his energy for winning time because that's the only... We're not allowed... We're not going to go, go, go. They're not robots. Their tank isn't just completely unlimited where they can be their game seven, fourth quarter winning time south in the middle of a random Tuesday game against some bottom feeder team. Absolutely fucking not. Remember when LeBron James beat, broke the scoring record and they lost to OKC and we thought that that was meaningful in any way? It was not. This was a team given up for dead at the trade deadline. Below 500, LeBron James injured, Anthony Davis injured. In other words, they were cooked. Rob Polinka pulled something out of his hat. I don't know who he has pictures on where he was able to make those trades but retooled the roster, reinvigorated the team, and now that they, now they are scary. I think this is the trend of the future. It is now called the conservation of star power. All of this means the regular season is just not very meaningful anymore. Doesn't mean it's not fun. It doesn't mean teams can't build on regular season success. It doesn't mean that we should just cancel it all together. It means that guys like LeBron and Steph and Draymond cannot be judged by their individual performances or team performances until playoff time. That's it. Because if you can go off in fifth for 50 in a game seven after being embarrassed and straight up flattened in game six on the road, who gives a fuck what you do in February? Who cares? That's going to mean skipping Tuesdays against Utah and not really trying that hard till April. That's it. That's, that's, that's the takeaway. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, let's move around. Some quick updates and news from around the league. Um, so the Sixers and Celtics played last night because this is coming out Tuesday. I haven't seen the game yet, but I can just I can just already know what's going to happen. The line is Celtics by 9.5, and, and I would not take the Sixers plus 9.5. I'll tell you that. No Embiid indefinitely. He hasn't even started doing physical activity, has not done any drills, has only been doing light stretching. Shams Shams said that it was even more severe than initially thought. He has gotten PRP, uh, that is platelet-rich, plasma-rich, plasma-rich replacement therapy, I believe it's what it's called. It's a big-ass needle where they take your blood out of you and then they put it back in you after they spun it around in some sort of machine. Apparently, it feels terrible. It's one of the thickest needles my friend has ever shown me who has gotten. Kobe used to go to Germany to get PRP on his old-ass knees back in the day. 
It's not good. We'll just say that. In the middle of the playoffs, not good. And if there's no Embiid, then what are we even talking about? If there's no Embiid in this series, what are we even saying? We're saying nothing. There's no, it's done. It's a wrap. It's a coast for the Boston Celtics. We thought that the Milwaukee Bucks had the easier path to the Eastern Conference Finals. Turns out, that was a lie. Turns out, avoiding Jimmy Butler, what you want to do. The only possibility for the Sixers to win this series, or at least compete in this series, is if James Harden turns back time like Cher and is the Houston Rockets version of James Harden when he was an MVP putting up 50. In the regular, he's not just got to be James Harden in Houston. He's got to be regular season James Harden in Houston because God knows that James Harden has never been a good playoff player. And Tyrese Maxey has to be a version of himself we have only seen in, in glimpses. Just to compete unless the question, there's one little factor that could possibly put a wrench in Boston's plans, and his name is Bible Thumpin' Joe Missoula. One of the worst clutch time play callers I've ever seen. Definitely surprised that he's the head coach of the Boston Celtics. But honestly, it might not even come into play because this thing might be a blowout until they figure out a way to put Joel Embiid's lifeless body back onto the court. Moving forward on the Knicks Heat series that already looks shaky without Julius Randle. Another player that has gone down with an injury. Uh, and I tell you what, he had played really well against the Heat for the regular season. He was missed. They looked Knicks looked really good in the first half. They were blowing out the Heat. And then what happened? Heat did Heat things. And it wasn't even close in the second half. Heat blew the Knicks out in the garden. Night-night, sleep mask. One little wrinkle, Jimmy Butler turned his ankle. Apparently it was the size of a baseball. Yeah, not, not great. He'll play, I'm sure. He's questionable for game two. But without Jimmy, this is a G League team. No, no shade on Max Drews or Gabe Vincent or fat-ass Kyle Lowry, who's reemerged from the crypt as well. Uh, but the playoffs reminds us never count out Eric Spolstra. As for the Knicks, Julius Randle, still day-to-day. Tibbs says that he's not limping, but he hasn't done anything on the court other than shooting on Friday. That sounds like he's probably not coming back uh, for a game or two. Out west, Denver is about to, to dethrone the Suns, aren't they? It did not look good. It did, it did not look like a good, fun situation for Phoenix. The Hoop Collective boys, Windhorse and all them, said that Denver is playing as well as they have since midseason, and I think that's right. Jamal Murray is playing like bubble Jamal Murray. Jokic is playing like a two-time MVP. And here's a fun stat. In the last seven years, the Nuggets are 18-3 and three against the Suns when Jamal Murray plays. They are 1-8 and eight without him. Remember, that was Suns in four. They were the ones that were the victims of Suns and Four. The most concerning thing, though, about the Suns is their role players. They just they don't have that math to math up with the Nuggets. On top of the fact that DeAndre Ayton, my guy, who called himself dominating, is complacent as hell, does not look interested in playing basketball under the rim at the moment. There's a viral clip of him standing around watching Jokic get multiple offensive rebounds and putbacks just just watching, just like, hey, shit looks fun as hell. This is a good game. 
He's got to figure that out. He's got to be more involved if they're going to compete. And uh, speaking of the Suns, real quick little funny story about Kevin Durant. Jeff Green dropped a, a fascinating factoid following game one at the presser. He said, because Katie and him played together uh, in Seattle when there was a team there, and they became super close. And Green said this, Kevin Durant has been lying about his height this whole time. He's actually not 6'11". He's not 7 feet. He's seven foot one, Kevin Durant. He's just been, just been underestimating his height this whole time, and nobody's ever thought to break out a ruler and be like, "Hey, you look taller than six eleven. Like, there's just I know you're skinny, but you look taller than seven feet to me. And if you think about it, that's pretty on brand for KD. Like, ah, oh, no, nah, I'm like six ten. Maybe he's more like Chet Holmgren than we thought. Uh, and then the Mavericks, we haven't really talked about them much other than the fact that they uh, got a fine for tanking. Tim Cato dropped an uh, article about them that gives some insight into what they're going to do in the offseason. Their number one priority is to sign, re-sign Kyrie, of course, and now the Lakers, which is an interesting little nugget of information. The Lakers are no longer interested in signing Kyrie Irving, even though Kyrie Irving has been showing up at every game behind the bench, doing his best maybe pay-me impression that you could ask for. He was at the... Laker Memphis game. He was at the Sacramento Kings game versus uh, the Warriors. Who is he trying to play for in that little duo? But I think Kyrie's real opportunity to get a max deal is probably Dallas. Looks like also Dallas is not interested in keeping Christian Wood, so they had to pay a first-round pick for him to be there for like one year. Sources are saying that he's no longer in their future plans. JaVale McGee, no longer in their future plans. Uh, Maxi Kleber, probably not in their future plans. And Dwight Powell, even though they like him a lot, they might not uh, keep him. They're also looking to move Tim Hardaway. It kind of sounds like an everything-must-go sale, if I'm honest. Um, going to be really hard to move Tim Hardaway because he gets paid a lot of money, and you know how hard it is to move assets that are not as valuable as you're paying them. Their focus is DeAndre Dominaton, which I don't know if necessarily is going to be a great situation for them, considering I just told you his lack of interest in playing defense is quite evident in the playoffs. Uh, Chris Middleton, who has had a swollen knee since 2012, uh, on and off. And, uh, yeah, the Mavs are cooked. Probably Luke is gone. If they don't make a move to at least show good faith, Luke is probably asking out next year. Uh, moving on to Memphis. Memphis, uh, boy, was that embarrassing. And both the stars, well, both the players who've been popping off at the mouth, John Morant and Dylan Brooks, both skipping out right after the game ends to miss media availability? That's some punk shit. Uh, and now we have a slew of off-season interviews to fall back on. First, John Morant. They said, hey, um... How about that, you're good in the West comment? How about that? And he says he didn't regret saying it. How do you fix this? According to Jaw, less trash talking. Friend of show to Michael Cole reported that Jaw has pledged to be more humble and do less trash talking. If I do that, then the rest of the team will follow. Sounds like Jaw knows what we all knew. Everybody has a target on them, given the fact that they are fucking annoying and they have too much shit to say and they have accomplished nothing. Are the Grizzlies the Grizzlies if they don't have that unabashed swagger? A quiet John Morant. I don't know what that will mean moving forward. I think that they should double down and be NBA, the NBA's villains. Don't know if that's going to make them a better team. Uh, Dylan Brooks 
and his poke the bear comments probably got him a one-way ticket out of Memphis. He's probably not going to be re-signed. Taylor, Taylor Jenkins and Zach Kleiman both said that self-created distractions hurt the Grizzlies in the playoffs. Uh, looks like Dylan Brooks probably out of there. One thing's for sure. GM Zach Kleiman says that the Grizz are going to be active, 100% active on the trade market. That means probably going after Mikhail Bridges, probably going after OG Ananobi, probably going after Pascal Siakam, all the guys that are available most likely for the right price. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Friday with an all-new episode covering the second-round series. I hope they're all as exciting as Kings Warriors were in the first round. Do not forget to download, subscribe, tell your friends, every single one of them. I mean it. Brandon, I mean it. Follow us on social at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok because the heat check never sleeps, not even during the playoffs. <laughs>